Welcome to the Hunting for Purpose podcast, the official podcast home for all human design manifestors. I'm your host, Holly Marie, a 4-6 clinic manifester, a certified human design teacher, and a manifester who is following her own creative urge to facilitate a thriving global community of aligned, powerful manifestors. Wherever you are at in your manifester journey, or even if you are here just because you love a manifester and you want to understand them a little bit more, this podcast is the place for you. Stick around for in-depth teaching, for real-life practical tips and understandings of the manifester journey, and how to become aligned and powerful and thriving as a manifester. You are here for global impact. You are here to change the world. The time is now. The journey is yours. This podcast is your home. Hello, hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Hunting for Purpose podcast. We have got another guest episode today, which feels super fun for me because I kind of recorded like the bulk of our guest episodes for this year way early on in the year. I did it classic manifesta, get it all out in one big burst. And now we have a handful of of really sort of precious spaces left for guests towards the end of the year on the podcast. And um, now I kind of get to go one by one with these individual people. And I'm just like beyond, beyond thrilled to be able to bring you the voice of this person today, not only because she's a fellow Australian, um, but because she brings a remarkably unique insight to manifested children and how to love them and raise them as a mother who has a manifested son. So welcome, Amy Ruth, fellow HD teacher, fellow Australian. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. G'day. It's nice to say that to somebody and know that. Oh, yeah, they get it. G'day, mate. It's not weird at all. It's totally not weird. (laughs) I love it. I think we should bring like more, you know, double Australian voices to the airwaves. It's everybody gets a kick out of it. Everyone loves the Australian accent. So tell tell us a little bit about you. But I mean, for people who haven't come across you, you run Amy Ruth HD, which is a, a HD account, obviously, human design account. Um, and I love I love the way you teach human design. I love it. I love the depth at which you teach it and the complexity with which you bring across in these just really practical ways. It's, it's so remarkable to witness. Um, I love the way you speak about your children and weave that so naturally into the content. But um, can you tell us a little bit about your your design and how did you stumble into the human design vortex? Yeah, sure. So I am a 4-6 splenic projector, um, single definition. I have three centres defined and the rest are undefined. Um, I, yeah, one of those stories, I was initiated into human design by my son. Um, At the age of around six months, six to eight months old he was when I realised that either he was broken or I was broken or one of us was broken uh, mm-hmm. and I had to do something about it because I was, you know, at my wit's end. I was one of those mothers that was diagnosed uh, like postnatal depression, postnatal anxiety, first baby. Um, and, yeah, I just started looking and searching like, okay, so he's not going to fit these training moulds. Nothing's working. What else can we do? 
Um, and I had him at kinesiology one day, which was something like wild that we were trying for him. Um, and now we go all the time, but it was something wild we were trying for him. And it was the kinesiologist that said, like, um, have you ever looked at his human design? And I just went, no, not really. And I sort of put it in the back of the brain box and went home, looked it up. And then it just, it snowballed. It just snowballed from there. There was no stopping us then. Um, yeah. And I really realized like I've been living my whole life is this, you know, open solar, undefined solar plexus person. And then into my world has shot this defined solar plexus manifest a child no wonder I've got all these, all this emotion and, you know, this emotional frequency going on that was never there and I couldn't put language to it or words to it, but it was just there. Um, and, yeah, so it was really him that started it because he didn't fit the mould. Of course. Of course it was. Of course, yeah. like the baby manifester initiated all of yeah. it. <laughs> what's, his, what's his profile? So he's an emotional manifester. Yeah, he's emotional. He only has uh, one channel. He's a 3536 transitoriness manifester. He has no other centers to find. Um, and he is a 46. Oh, wow. What, I didn't even realize that synchronicity between our families. So I'm a 46 splenic manifester. My husband is a 46 splenic projector. And our eldest is a 46 emotional projector. Our youngest is a 46 emotional manifester. So- Whoa. <laughs> That's a little bit creepy, that pattern, but I like it. Yeah. I like it a lot. Yeah. yeah. What was it that you you noticed about him? Like at, at such a young age, before a baby is even verbal, like how was he not fitting the mould? Um, sleep was one thing, as, you know, as every mo- new mother's like, when is this baby going to sleep? But he... Um, you know, I was already into tracking like the moon and I was already sort of into astrology and just I had noticed this pattern of like these planets are affecting this child majorly. Um, and I think, yes, the planets affect us all. Obviously, we're swimming in neutrino soup, but there was something about his sleep that it was so unpredictable and it's not like he would just um, like feed and resettle. He was on a mission. As soon as he could crawl, he was on a mission and that's what I noticed about him. It was like he had this determination and this mission that it didn't matter who you were. It was like, get out of the way. And there was also this, um, not a missing connection. I don't want to feel like say it was like a missing connection, but there was this, it was really evident that um, he was, he was like, a, he's an independent agent in this and you are here to feed me, clothe me, um, you know, obviously love me and shelter me, but I'm an independent, I'm independent. And, you know, from, from the minute he walked at 10 months old and from the minute that he could walk, it was like, okay, this is chaos now. Like, like this, yeah, he, he was always on a mission. And I feel like that from the moment he was born, he was on a mission. <laughs> How did that feel to you as a projector mother? I guess even before you had language to identify that for yourself, like what was that relationship like as being this primary caregiver and the the birther of this child who essentially is like you're a machine here to give me what I want and I have my own agency because he was also your first child yeah yeah first child and my partner was always bifo so fly in fly out for people that don't understand what that is always away (laughs) so it was just me and this kid um and this emotional kid at at, you know at, at its best um 
what it was like was it's hard to explain, but I can see why I was diagnosed like postnatal depression and anxiety because he was so unpredictable. Um, and I didn't understand a lot about the emotional frequency between us. And so if he was a little bit frustrated. You can imagine like a baby learning to crawl or just trying to take its first steps. You imagine the frustration and anger he's going through. And then you've got this projector that's amplifying that frustration to 100%. It's just like, you know, I'm at my wit's end with this kid. And it's like, why he's not doing anything? But just his inner frustration, anything he was feeling, I was amplifying um, and just losing myself in what's going on in this mess here? Like, why is this like this? Um, and then so I stopped going to mother's groups because he, because, you know, everyone else was sitting around drinking coffee and my child was walking out on the balcony or leaving leaving the room or climbing the walls or doing something, you know, unpredictable. And so I stopped going to mother's groups um, and sort of like really isolated ourselves in our yard. And he had free range in the yard, which I think he loved because you know, he could get up to whatever he wanted to get up to and we could keep our distance from each other. And I, I really found in those early years being out of aura, but within eye, you know, eye shot so I could witness him, but be out of aura, that really saved my energy a lot um, to be able to just deal with like the next wave of like, what are we going through here? How are we going to deal with this? Like, yeah, yeah. it's intense. Yeah, I love that. I love that terminology and that understanding of like get get out of the aura, <laughs> get yeah. get out of the energy. Um, and you know we've been kind of focusing this whole year on on the theme of relationships and like how we show up in relationships as manifestors. And it's been challenging, quite frankly. It's been challenging on a personal level. It's been challenging to teach. I think it's been challenging for people to receive. Um, but one thing that has has really come up is that you know, as manifestors, because we don't have the ability to, to switch off that initiating energy. We can't turn off the fact that we're, we're catalyzing and we're always activating and we're always like pushing, pushing against something um, that in our relationships, we certainly as we get older, we need to be aware of that and allow people space to be outside, right? To be beyond the aura it's this you know kind of understanding the rhythmic balance of you can't always be in expansion you can't always be catalyzed and activated that the natural opposite of that is you know contraction and retreat and and we need to allow people space to do that but i i feel like a lot of people around manifestors and especially manifested children i've noticed this heaps with my own son they get really addicted to being near the manifesto energy, like being constantly activated by the manifesto energy. Um, and that's really interesting to me that as his mother, you were like, actually, I can't do that. Yes. <laughs> it's too intense. Yeah. I'm around him all the time. Like I have to get out of it. Yeah. Yeah. It was really a matter of, um, it was really, it was honestly a matter of, I remember standing inside the house, watching out through the glass sliding doors, watching him, just like, I didn't know what it was. I just knew that I felt better in my own aura and that he was a lot more peaceful in his own aura. Because like, you know, the pokey projector is trying to guide him and I'm trying to tell him what to do and I'm trying to da 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 And he would just get more and more angrier. And it was just like, yeah, I just learned very early on. There's a level, there's a there's a time frame, and there's a period where he might be a bit more open to that. 
Uh, and there's a there's a time frame and a period and a space where it's like we are actually better off apart. And I think coming to terms with that as a mother was like, no, we're actually going to survive this better if we do it this way. We're going to kill each other if we, you know, if we keep forcing ourselves within each other's face all of the time. But, yeah, he is impactful. You guys are so impactful. It doesn't matter where you go, you, you have an impact. And, you know, nobody says whether that's going to be a good impact or a bad impact. It's just an impact. You have an impact no matter where you go. You walk down the aisle at the supermarket and you have an impact. And as a mother, it's like, you know, fluffy sort of rainbows and butterflies. I want my son to always have a beautiful impact on people. And it's like, it doesn't actually work that way. He has an impact. You know, yesterday in the pool, he threw a toy in the air. The toy smacked an old lady in the head. There's an impact straight away, you know? (laughs) And so then as the projector mother, I'm dealing with all of her emotions and feelings. She was quite upset. Um, And I'm just watching him move on. Because he's had he you know he's had his impact. He's got a closed door. He's done. He's not he's feeling finished. what she's feeling. Yep. No. Yep. And it's like, there's your impact. And and you know what she did? She didn't do laps. She was doing like really slow laps, and she didn't do laps where the kids were playing. And I thought, well, there you go. That was you know a really good impact to have. Perhaps like let the kids have that end of the pool where they splash and do your laps yeah. up the other end. Um, you know, I did apologize to her and that, but. Yeah, he moves on. He's got a closed door. He moves on. He doesn't know his impact unless he's told, um, mm-hmm. unless he witnesses it directly for himself. And as the projector mother, often you're left with that repercussion in public of like, okay, now we're going to deal with all of these emotions too. Yeah. Yeah. Do you feel like that applies to like the manifesto projector relationship, like outside of the parent-child role? Is that something that as a projector you experience manifestors even as adults that you're left with this like ah oh, I've got to now deal with the the fallout of your impact here because you've just walked away I think it depends how close you are or like how much you can just surrender to the mechanics playing out like sometimes it's just a matter of witnessing and watching it and sometimes you're really left in the soup of it to to process but you know I know that I can just get out of aura and it leaves me very quickly because I'm undefined um in the in the like in the solar plexus but yeah I think it is like that with adults too it's kind of like it it is kind of like you guys don't really know your impact unless you're taught from you know oh okay that person is now crying so I've had an impact on them or that person is now laughing so I've had an impact on them if you stand back to back you you, you wouldn't feel the impact because of the closed beautiful like the beautiful protection that you've got around you and it's 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 so important to your role here, to the role of the manifestor here, that that is closed the way it is. Um, imagine if the manifestor felt their impact. You know, they wouldn't be able to operate as the empowered manifestor. We'd crumble. But, We'd crumble. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Honestly, I think it's a it's a bit of a, a strange dichotomy as being a, a being that, like, lives in this experience because I think over time, being very aware of our energy and being open to viewing our impact and and even being, you know, in spaces like this of um, informing people, hey, tell me, show me the impact, give me the details so that at least on an intellectual level, I'm I'm picking it up. I'm seeing it. I'm also an undefined emotional being, right? I, I, I um, feel other people's emotions, whether I can understand it or not, whether I can connect it to my, my impact or what I've done to them or not. Um, but I think that that's a maturing 
process. That's a maturation for us as manifestors that we need to get that. Like we need to learn that, that we can't just move through the world doing whatever we will. And because we leave behind a lot of, a lot of destruction when we do that. And um, I come from kind of a lineage of, of manifestors. There's a whole like ancestral line of us. And and my father is also a splenic manifestor um, and a really destructive one. And like lives his whole life also single definition right he's a one three he lives his entire life just like well I go about and do my own thing and I don't ever notice you know what that does to other people and oh oh like why are you why are you coming at me like why are you upset that's on you is there something wrong with you like you should go and investigate that (laughs) like um there is there's a necessary part I think of our evolution as manifestors to say Yes, where we live behind a closed energy. And yes, you know, in a lot of ways, we are this kind of independent role and this independent energy source. But we also live in a human collective. And yeah, we need to have healthy connections. We need to have healthy relationships. So like, how do, how do we do that? How do we actually learn to basically not be assholes to people, you know? Yeah. And, you know, like the now, like, obviously, there's so many more like we've got all these adult manifestors that have found human design that are like, oh, okay, now I've got to start doing this informing thing. And, and now I should actually, you know, someone has to tell me my impact and all of these things. And, you know, now we've got this beautiful generation of children that are being raised, you know, as per their uniqueness, as per the manifesto and that evolution, you know, the evolution of the strategy itself. Like when we, in child development, we say the manifested child, we teach them to ask permission. And a lot of adult manifestors are like, hell no, you don't teach a child. Like, mm-hmm. and that, like that's not empowering, blah, blah, blah. But it's like, there's two parts to this. The asking permission as a child is always there to evolve into the tell somebody, which is then evolves into the informing piece. And we've got this beautiful... Um, yeah, generation of manifested children now that are moving through the evolution of that. And so um, hopefully we have this generation of adult empowered manifesto adults that, um, yeah, that know that the informing strategy is their medicine. Yeah, it's like yeah. The informing is your medicine. It gets people out of your way. It gets people on board. It lets people know that there is about to be an impact or there has been an impact. It's such medicine. But um, yeah, I think it's two kettles of fish, the the child, the manifesto child being raised as a manifesto and also adults coming in going, okay, I'm going to try this experiment as my manifesto self. Um, the evolution of the strategy hasn't been there. Um, and I think anybody that's raised a manifesto child knows that, like, the ask, teach a manifesto child to ask permission um, aspects to it, it really goes on age. So we're talking like birth birth to whatever three four whenever they can open the door and walk out they've got to ask mommy ask daddy the the problem the problem with the ask permission um teaching that we that we you know tell parents if you've got a manifest a child teach them to ask ask permission is you've got to let go of that staying that way that strategy Mm -hmm. was always going to evolve into informing and so it's ask permission learn to tell tell the person that you're going to impact and that's the evolution if you cannot surrender to the evolution of that strategy and you're still telling a teenage manifesto, ask permission, or you're still telling an adult manifesto, you need to ask my permission. No, that's not how the strategy was supposed to evolve. Um, 
And so, yeah, I just, I think it's these two kettles of fish, raising the manifest child and also adult manifestors coming in and learning this informing thing. Like, you know, you got through your whole life so far without it, it's easier to ask for forgiveness than it is to ask for permission, right, as the manifestor. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, yeah, I think it's... the the interesting thing for me you know, being a manifester who was raised by, you know, an out of alignment manifesto. Not that he did much raising, quite frankly, <laughs> wasn't really around, classic. Um, but now raising another manifesto is this sense of like, look, understanding that informing for us is not, it is not a naturally occurring strategy. It's so different for us than for everyone else. This, we don't have an impulse to inform. We don't have a desire to, we don't find it easy. It doesn't come effortlessly. Like we don't even consider it. It's not even present in our system. It's a technique. So it's a behavioral adaptation that we need to take on. I think when we understand that our strategy is initiating, that that we do effortlessly, that we do naturally, that we do without thought or consideration, it just comes out of us all the time. But informing is this really necessary kind of connection piece between us as initiators and the rest of society. That if we can't mm. get that bridge of informing, then we're always gonna really struggle to be the initiators. We're really going to struggle with how it gets received, how it gets responded to. Um, but because it's because it's a discipline, because it's a learned behaviour, there's this sense for me as a parent, like my, my manifesto child is 10 now, right? And he's been informing for, well, when did we start? Six years ago, probably. So he's he's pretty damn good at it now. He's, he's pretty good. Um, but I wanted him to have the experience of that becoming as subconscious as possible as early on in his life as it could so that he didn't have to get into his 20s or 30s and then backtrack you know and have to have to learn this thing and have to adopt this in his life I'm like I I don't want you to go through that experience I don't I don't want you to have that struggle I'm not sure that the world is um, going to be particularly ready for manifestors anytime soon <laughs> I think the world is still my, struggling. Yeah, this is this is the constant conversation that my partner and I have actually is like, okay, so we raised this child, you know, to his uniqueness, to his brilliance as a manifester. And then my partner would be like, yeah, but Amy, we can't change the world to get ready for him. <laughs> and I'm like, I know, but that'll deal with itself. Like just that'll deal with itself as long as he continues to inform. And I wonder if it's true, um, the fourth line manifests a child like he naturally he 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 did start asking permission and then it naturally turned into informing because he's externalizing all the time what he's doing and so I think it's quite natural um it's it's obviously never going to be inherently natural it is like what you say it's a political learnt strategy um but yeah he he he, he does say I'm about to do this I'm going to do this hey mum blah 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 and he will inform um but yeah, we we do have that conversation. My partner and I are like, yeah, we can we can raise manifesto children. When is the world going to accept this this child that is unpredictable? That is a rogue agent that is moved more by the planets than they are by the people around them. That will get up at four o'clock in the morning and start a project. That will <laughs> walk out of the school grounds if he doesn't want to be there. That tells the people at the in the emergency department, hey, when is it my turn? I'm sick of waiting. Like, 
when is the <laughs> the rest of the world going to get on board with this? And I don't I don't know whether um you know that's that's ever going to happen. But what's the other alternative? You know, we raise conditioned, homogenized, angry, sick children, and that for me is not a choice. So it's like, okay, let's deal with the. Let's do and like you know people say oh you know you found human design with parenting like is it is it easier or you know is it easier once you have human design in the parenting world I don't think it is I don't know if not it's probably a step in the other direction because I agree not only not only do you have to sort of you know accept this child's uniqueness and respect them it also forces you to look at yourself and all of your own beliefs and all of your own conditioning and it's like now the work's twofold. You know, mm-hmm. I did think, oh, cool, I've got this human design thing. I can just raise my child that way. Didn't work that way. I had to look at myself as well. Um, but, yeah, is the world ready for empowered, manifested children? I don't know. I don't yeah. Know. <laughs> I, I agree with you. I 100% agree with you that that's, that's not an aspect that we have any control over. And I guess for me, from the lens of work that I do, my choice is to just try to prepare that's it. Can I just prepare as many adult manifestors as possible? And can I prepare, you know, the, the children manifestors that are coming through the ones that I have access to and the ones that other people are raising and, um, and hope that the timing somehow lines up, but at the very least, at the very least, I, I just, I so agree with your statement of like, what's, what's the alternative? Like that we're just yeah. going to continue to raise these wounded, limited, angry, hurt, conditioned manifestors so that they become adults with trauma that, that need to work back through that. I don't want that for my child. I don't want that for any other manifestor child. But there's this very real kind of counterweighted experience of um, even as a manifestor myself, raising a manifestor child in the world, even I feel that sense of, oh shit like he just did this thing and nobody likes it and everybody's upset about it and like he doesn't fit the system he doesn't fit the social system and I have to war with myself and my own conditioning as a manifester to not leap in and tell him to be smaller to not leap in and say that was wrong don't do that it upsets people but to allow him to be what he is and to somehow manage other people where necessary I can't even I can't even fathom what that's like as a projector like at least I have the ability to just like back behind my aura and be like peace out guys (laughs) deal (laughs) um but I know you know my husband is a projector and I know that 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 really impacts him he really struggles with feeling responsible for it yeah and there's times where I do tag team with my partner like he's a generator and he he does he does have that big enveloping aura, but it's not amplifying, you know. Yeah. And so sometimes it is like tag in you go. I got to step this one out because I can feel it's it. My nervous system is out of control here. I'm dysregulated. That's not helpful to anybody. Um, and so sometimes it's a matter of like yeah, just using the language with my partner saying I'm starting to amplify what's happening here. You, you're going to have to step this one in. Um, and we're lucky that we have that communication. Like you know how many how many people out there are unaware of, of, you know, the energetics and mechanics playing out and the ability to be able to do that for themselves. Um, yeah. And, you know, I take my hat off to manifesto mums, mums that are manifestors and anybody raising a manifesto child, because like 
we are their training ground. And I've said this before is like, you will be the first person that makes that manifesto angry. You will be the first one to cause resistance. You will, you are the training ground for the rest of the world. Um, and it's not about raising these peaceful manifestors all of the time. It's also part and parcel of the mum role, unfortunately, is, all right, I'm going to be the punchy bag. How do we deal with anger? How do we deal with resistance when it's met? What happens when you don't inform? What happens when you inform and the other person has the, their own authority and says no? How do we go with that? What happens when that child doesn't want to play with you? Um, you know, the mums out there, we really are the training ground for this anger and the resistance meeting, and that's all part of it as well in raising these these empowered manifestors in the world, I think. Mm-hmm. Take my hat off mm-hmm. to them. <laughs> I think we're all just kind of step-by-stepping it, right? <laughs> day by day. Yeah. How did I go today? Sometimes it's even moment by moment, right? How do I yeah. how do I raise how do I raise this manifesto to be the best that he can be? And uh, my two other children, you also have a projector child, right? Your second child is a projector. Yeah. yeah. My two other kids are a projector and a generator. And um I find it almost effortless to parent them. Yeah. In comparison, in contrast, it's like, this is, nah, we can do this. We got it. There's a flow, yeah. there's an ease, there's a responsiveness. It's like, I, I find it easy to utilize human design in their parenting. Um, but, but my manifesto is, he's wildly unpredictable, wildly yeah. so. And uh, I, I learn just as much about myself in observation of him, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they are. And, you know, I think it was Rara always called you guys like the you're the rogue agents. You're the rogue agents. Um, and the, these kids are, they're rogue agents. And my, you know, my other, exactly like what you say, my projector baby, I put him, he's a, he's, we're all four sixes. He's the only one that is a different profile. He's a two four. Loves to climb into his bunk in the van, shuts himself in, happy in there, goes to sleep, wakes up 12 hours later. You know, like it's, it's almost like this wild contrast of like what what what's happening to these two children but it's just like you can't compare them they're just it's like comparing apples and oranges and 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 yeah Jed our manifest son he is he he's unpredictable um and it's you can't even use the transit like I I try to follow the transit program a lot with his chart and have a look of what's going on with him um because that's that's the the, the quickest thing to cut through your aura is the neutrinos. Uh, and that's mm-hmm. how you bring things to the world. You know, that's how you guys bring things into form for us to either get on board with or not get on board with. Um, and I do notice there is a pattern of like um, big transit movements, big manifesto energy, and then he goes into that deep rest. But the deep rest might only be an hour or so. And then it's like, right, here we go again. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's unpredictable. I'm curious about I'm curious about how that rest shows up for him. Have you noticed any of that? Is there any kind of consistency in his patterning? Like I feel my my son has only just started to get some rhythm to his creative like rest cycle. But how about for Jed? Nah, for him, there's no there's no consistency. There's no pattern. The only the only way I know he's gone into rest is he stops talking. The throat mm-hmm. energy, he just stops. And so he won't talk, he'll ignore people, he will, um, you know, zone out if he's watching something on telly or if he's colouring. There's no talking. But if he's building 
it's noises, it's sounds. He'll be la 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 la, ba, 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 like just making noise, and you can feel it. You can feel the energy building in the throat, the manifestation energy happening. Um, and I think it's so nuanced to each child too, because he is purely collective. So he, nothing's personal for him. It's literally like we're about to have a new adventure. I'm getting you on board. Here we go. There will be a crisis. Then we'll plummet. We'll do it again. Like this is that's the only consistency. It's just. You don't know when the adventure is going to happen. You don't know who he's going to get on board. And you don't know what the crisis is going to be. It's just dealing with it afterwards. <laughs> I love that so much. There's there's like nothing more joyful to me than watching a manifest a child just do their manifest a thing like unhindered, uninhibited. Like they're so unaware of it, you know? Yeah. 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 Don't no no care for social awkwardness. No care for like you know, that might upset the person who you can't do that or that's the rules. There's no care for that. It's just, you know, I've watched him steal this big plushy toy from a shop and run and I've had to leave the pram with the baby in it and chase him and, you know, say take it back to the shop and say, hey, we don't take things. This is the impact. The police are standing there, the security it was at the time, but I'm like, this policeman is watching you. You need to take this toy back. Like, but that's that's his nature is to take everything here is mine for the taking because yeah. I'm the manifester and that's his yes. there's nothing it's not personal it's literally in built in him and yeah. so yeah you know I've got 101 stories of him just doing his thing and me trying to be that chaperone in between the collective and him doing his thing <laughs> that bridge between we've got to fit in here somewhere <laughs> without going to jail <laughs> that'd be nice <laughs> <laughs> it shows that that uh, kind of trajectory of conditioning, right, when manifestors are not raised by people that allow them to express this and, and allow it to be safe for them to just follow this kind of wildness and rogueness, um, that as manifestor adults I think it's really, really hard for us to relate to even being that free right, that we're, yeah. we're so acutely aware of all of the rules and of all of the consequences of not following the rules that, yes, we become people pleasers, but even more than that, we develop all of these um, wounds and narratives around I can only be accepted, I can only be, you know, loved and let in and have people stay with me, I can only avoid abandonment and only avoid rejection if I follow the rules. And I do what everybody else is doing. And I don't, I don't honor myself, right? I, there's so much in the manifest adult experience of learning self-abandonment as survival. And it's mm. so, so, so healing watching a manifest a child anywhere being allowed to be a manifest a child because it shows me that we are innately born with the ability to trust ourselves. That comes through us where we don't have to learn that. It's there. And it it can get stripped away by the environment that we live in. So the more people that we have that can really not just understand the manifesto, but adore the manifesto, right? Like take joy in that. Have fun in that. Like, I'm not, I'm not gonna make you be anything else because I don't actually want you to be anything else. Like you are exquisite as you are and I get a lot of pleasure for all the challenges I get a lot of pleasure in watching this that that is what creates this enormous global ripple I think that's what I'm excited about with this this kind of cohort of manifested children coming through now um 
that there's more opportunity now for them to become manifesto adults that are free, that are yeah. rogue. Yeah. And yeah. and will yeah. develop. They'll develop and learn of over time. They'll evolve. They'll work out how to be non-criminal members of society. <laughs> I know. Um, I think like you guys are such you're such a gift and the 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 main like when when i deal with a lot of parents and a lot of children and a lot of parents um not so much manifest parents but they're always the other types coming with a manifest child how do you do this how do we do this and a lot of the issue is is like how much can you release control and how much can you surrender to this child's initiation for you because you might find that it turns out so much better than you thought it was going to like okay what do I do my child doesn't want to go to school anymore well you know what maybe ask a child do they want to be homeschooled whatever you might have to learn to homeschool you might have and then you might find whoa actually this worked out better like my child decided he didn't want to live in a house anymore he wanted to live in the caravan and so we sold everything and we went righto let's go with it because who knows we don't we don't know. He was three at the time. Um, and and so this is his initiation initiation for us. And it's wild to think that through that, through surrendering to that initiation, to this next adventure that he wanted to go on, and we were going to be a part of that adventure, that he, you know, he put himself at the shore. He put his brother at the shore. He put his dad at the shore. And they are shore people. He put me in an internal market that I can take to any shore anywhere. It's like yeah. I couldn't have I couldn't have planned this. I couldn't have planned this better. And he didn't plan it. It's literally a surrender to what's happening. No choice. What's going on? And to watch to watch the initiations and like to watch yourself resist it. That why are we resisting these manifested children's initiation? Why are we why are we so tightly wound that we cannot surrender? And I'm not saying your manifested child says jump and you say how high on the way up. It's it's like it's got to feel correct for you as well. You know, obviously your own authority has got to feel correct for your own authority as well. But when it's all there and it's all aligned and it's all correct, why are we letting our minds stop us from going along with their impact and their initiations? Because you'll be wildly surprised how these things turned out, turn out. It's incredible. We wouldn't have done half the things we've done in this, in these last two years without his initiation for us. That is magnificent, <laughs> magnificent on so many levels. Um, but I, I think part of the, the struggle for adult manifestors is in feeling like our creative urges are somehow wrong, that they're they're bad and they're selfish and it's, it's just a, a self-desire that, you know, we shouldn't bring that to the world and we're not allowed to take space for that. And I feel like I'm constantly, constantly repeating and imposing this message of if it's an urge, it is good. It is good. It is born good. It is coming through you good. And it's there's nothing about it that is bad. And even if you can't see the ways that that is going to have a good impact, bring it anyway, because you're rarely going to see. You're rarely going to see all of the ways that that has an influence. Your child was a toddler. There's no way he could have, like, comprehended that thought that through intellectualized it at all and yet it does it brings it brings life right it brings movement it brings change um 
And there is, there, there is a kind of real human resistance to that of, I don't want to be changed. I don't want to be disrupted. You know, I don't want to be initiated into that direction. But this, this is the sacredness of what the manifesto does, that if we can, if we can do that in a safe way, if we can be allowed and loved in doing that, we create just unseen, unheard of things. It's it's remarkable. I think we even we surprise ourselves because yeah. we didn't know. We didn't know that was what was going to happen. <laughs> just kind of follow yeah. one step out there. Yeah. And there's a real like rebuilding of the trust in yourselves because as a child, the first conditioning you got was, no, you're not doing that. Mm. No, stop. Uh, you know, like go to your room if you're going to act that way, abandonment. Or it's like, oh, you want to do that? No, conditioned, controlled. And so there's this real distrust, this loss of trust in in, in the power um, that you guys have to transmute, you know, whatever's going on. The, the grace of the manifesto is seen in that in in the relationship between you and the planets you know you guys are allies that's that's the real beauty of watching the manifesto um and there's a real i think a loss loss of trust and disconnection with with what's going on there because at no fault of your own um it was conditioned the hell out of you as as children because yeah you were rogue and unpredictable and mum and dad had to go to work you know it's at no fault of nobody's um but yeah, I just that's why I think I just love I love the work for with manifestors. I love watching manifestors empower manifestors. I love people watching people raise manifestors, people standing up and saying, I'm gonna give this thing a go as a manifesto. I love watching it and I'm here for it because um there is no change. There is no evolution. There is no it's there's always difficulty at the beginning, there's always friction, there's always a heating up before something changes. Um and we need you guys, otherwise we are comfortable stuck on our bloody rocks doing nothing, you know. <laughs> we need we need to kick up the bar. Yeah, yeah. I always say to people that anything, anything that was created in the world, anything that we experienced was at its origin brought by a manifesto. Everything that we know began somewhere with a manifesto and we need to celebrate that. Right? We need to celebrate yeah. being as manifestors we need to celebrate being part of that kind of part of that ancestry um yeah. and i think there's other energy types that that needs recognition yeah what you get to experience was because there was one manifestor somewhere that took the risk to trust themselves against pretty you know overwhelming odds to bring yeah. it forward for you so like it really is this kind of beautiful symbiotic relationship if we let it without all the fight yeah yeah and I think it's just like you say like it's just baby steps day at a time a day at a time um and rebuilding that trust and re like empowering that throat like how many manifested people do we know that thyroid problems or this or that or whatever this is all shut down everything in here is shut down it's like this is connected or we have ego manifestors that has stomach that have stomach problems, digestion issues. Ego manifestor children that have all of these stomach problems and digestion issues. And it's like, it's not it's it's not even um, just a matter of like new things coming into the world. It's like this is actually making you guys sick. Mm-hmm. Not doing this, not mm-hmm. stepping into the empowerment and releasing it. All of this, you know, built up, stopped energy 
it's not serving anybody. It's not serving any types. Um, yeah. And that's what I think. Well, I'm just so here for it. Watching, mm-hmm. watching you guys just step into stepping, well, watching anybody step into the role that they came here to play. But um, yeah, the manifestor's role is just so crucial and so important. Um, you know, you see it all the time. You see it when kids play. You see when kids play. You see the manifestor kid in a group of kids because they're the ones starting up the game. They're the ones that's going to do this and we're going to do that and you're going to be on that team. And, you know, they're starting it, they're getting it going. And all of these kids, six kids, learn how to play a new game and then they go and teach all of their cousins a new game and they go teach the kids up the street a new game, which started with one kid. And that's how simple it is. And maybe that game gets taught for generations. That's how simple, that's how it begins. And that's just, you know, an example of kids playing games. But any invention, anything. So true, so true. So you guys live, I mean, you've, you've touched on it beautifully a couple of times, but you guys live a pretty alternative life now, right? Like you're not, you're not in static in the suburbs doing the normal things. Can you tell us a little bit about your your lifestyle and what that means and how that's impacting all of you? Yeah, so we had the dream home. We had the five-bedroom, two-bathroom, pool, acreage. We had all of that. Um worked our asses off for it you know as as generators our entire lives and manifestors our entire lives that which you know that's which we are not um but yeah so now we live full-time in our van um we have for 18 months now and we've done the lap of australia and we're still lapping around um day to day what it looks like is we get up and you know i didn't realize how alternative it was until my mentor who i've been working with for the last 12 months was like, Amy, you are so far out of the norm. It's not funny. And I'm like, oh, shit, yeah, we are. Like, I forget because this is our norm now. Um, but, yeah, we get up. It takes everything in me to make sure the manifesto doesn't wake the projector up because that's the first thing he wants to do every morning. And I'm like, let him sleep. Like, I'm so protective of that child's sleep. Let him sleep. And then um, we start the day and it's usually a matter of, you know, Jed might say, I want to go fishing. And if dad says, uh-huh, you know, there's a sacred response, right? Oh, you guys are off to do that. It's usually an initiation and an uh-huh or an uh-huh, like the say, if the sacred's not on board, maybe it's unsafe what he wants to do. Um, we just follow authority. That's what we do. We literally follow authority. Maybe the projector kid and I will hang around, watch a movie, might play at the playground or something. Um, he's a root, splenic, ego uh, projector. So he's quite, he's got a lot of energy. Um but, yeah, we literally go with the flow. We follow authority. We listen. You know, Jed, Jed initiates a lot of what we do. Sometimes we have to say no. It's not okay. Yesterday he wanted to go and feed the crocodile by himself. And I'm like, that's not happening. I'm sorry. And he's like, but, Mom, yeah, he's got this piece of bread and he's, it's you know, it's near on dark. It's 6 o'clock at night. He's got his head torch and he's going to feed the croc. And I'm like, mate. I'm sorry, it's not happening. And he's angry, right? He's stopping his face. He's angry. angry. And I'm like, of it's not happening. Yeah. yeah. I'm sorry, it's not happening. He's like, but it's old, mum. It's an old croc. And I'm like, okay, you can, can you can keep making your case, but it's not happening. Find another way. So either you have to ask dad, and I've taught him to say to his dad, have you got the energy to blah, blah, blah? So he oh, words yeah, it like nice. that now. Nice. And he'll say, dad, have you got the energy to come with me to feed the croc? And he'll either get a yes or a no. So. Some things, you know, we say no to, but a lot of our life is, um, yeah, we're just free roaming it. 
we're just free roaming it. We all have undefined G centers. Some places we hate, we bicker, we fight, something happens, comes over our whole family. So we pick up and move. Um, and the next town feels better. I don't know. It feels nicer. There's an energy there. And then we move and that's how we roll. Yeah. It's pretty it's wild. It's extraordinary. It's extraordinary. It's so cool. And I think the the biggest um, fear, it's really a conditioned fear that comes up for so many people when, when considering that idea of can I actually, like could I actually just genuinely adapt my entire lifestyle to really meet my energetic needs and and meet the energetic needs of kind of the tribe around me, you know, my, my family or my social network. Um, the biggest fears that come up are about financial security. <laughs> like, well, I couldn't do that because I need to work. I've got to live. I've got to pay for stuff. How do you guys navigate that? Because you are, you legitimately are a family. Like you've got young children, you <laughs> things that you need to buy and and you've got to get petrol gas right you have to be able to yeah. move around so how do you journey through that i i fully believe that we are not here to suffer there's just something in me i don't know what it is but there's something deep in me that knows that we are not here to suffer and that if you surrender to your role you'll have everything you need now i'm not saying that you'll have chandeliers or porsches but you'll have everything you need. Um, and so when we really decided, shit, we're going to surrender to this thing, there was a real, you know, it, it, there's a there's a certainty in the uncertainty. I'm certain that we will have everything we need, but I'm uncertain of how it's going to come, when it's going to come and how we're going to get it. Um, but in saying that, it's like, yeah, but Amy, you still got food and nappies and stuff. And it's like, yeah, we sold property. We, um, we sold property and we sold property when it was correct to like it was all part of the part of the manifestor's initiation for us it wasn't any of our doing it was all it was all his doing and he couldn't have done it logically and so there's so much proof in it for me if the, those that those that are logical circuitry and need evidence i think it's a lot harder for sometimes than those that are, have a lot of abstract circuitry and are like oh, i'll throw a caution of the wind and have another experience <laughs> those of us that are logical like oh, i need evidence that this is going to work and I've been proven to time and time again that when I surrender to my role when I allow my partner to move with his energy when I allow my child to be free to initiate you know it just seems to play out and work the way it works um and we'll pull up and we'll buy a house when it when it's right like people often say you must be going to pull up soon it's like well yeah you know maybe if Maybe if Jono responds to something, my partner might respond to something and then that might be the one. Um, you know, Jed's already telling us, no, our house has a balcony. The one that we buy has a balcony. And it's like, <laughs> I don't even know what he's doing or saying. And I don't know. I don't know. Um, but, yeah, we sold we sold a lot of property before we left. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, we just, we're just winging it. To be honest, we're just winging it. We are set up. We're lucky that we're set up so we can be off-grid a lot of the time. So um, it's a lot cheaper to be off-grid, obviously, than it is to stay in, like, caravan parks or, or whatever. So we're set up to be off-grid. Um, the kids eat to their determination, you know. Like, i got one child that would just drink all day if I let him. Like, it's just we don't buy food for that child. He just drinks water. Uh, you know, so he's out. he doesn't cost us anything. Um <laughs> 
<laughs> it's just little things that make you laugh and think, well, that works. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I think the I, I I do understand too the fear because it's been driven into us since children of you will get a house and a career and you will work and you will pay the bank back for the rest of your goddamn life. Um, there is, it, it is hard to surrender. It is hard. Um, yeah, and I think, again, it's baby steps and have a look at your circuitry. Are you logical? Do you need the evidence? And it is gathering your gathering evidence, proving to yourself bit by bit. And, like, yeah, I heard you talking the other day about um, just write down how many times in a day you've responded to something. Even that is evidence gathering. Just yeah. gather your evidence for this experiment. You can't get it wrong. And that I, you know, and that's my main message for parents is that you're not, you can't get this wrong. It's not, don't make it something else that you got to, you got to get right or wrong or compare yourself or judge yourself with. You can't get this thing wrong. You can't get awareness wrong. Yeah. Yeah. So good. It's so good. It's so cool. Like at, at some point, right. If, if you're really um, committed to giving yourself or, or the people around you, the experience of, of just living within your own energy you're going to have to jump off a cliff you're going to it's going to yeah. right so it's going to feel like regardless of what it actually looks like it's going to feel like i'm just free flying i'm uh, right i'm winging yeah. it i don't know how this is going to work out i just have to live by this inherent trust that it will it will somehow mm. work out and it always does yeah when you yeah. do that the mind will scramble synchronicity yeah, like how much your mind is going to scramble no matter what. It will look for it's uncomfortable. It's going to look for the comfortable. Which what's comfortable here? What's comfortable here? Fear's comfortable because I've lived in it my whole life. I'm going to sit in fear. That's really comfortable for me. It's like the mind's going to scramble no matter what you do. Um, it's just yeah, a matter of watching that mind and really watching the body, like they say. Like it really is a matter of what what's my body doing? What's my mind doing? What's the stories going on up here? And then I like to go. Where did that story come from? Who put that story there? Oh, it was my dad. Oh, it was my granddad. Oh, it was his dad. Like, you know, that's where, that's so, that's how ingrained they are. Um, yeah. Any, I think any sort of surrender, any change is going to be uncomfortable for the human mind. <laughs> yeah. It's the beautiful coupling of, of nervous system work and nervous system regulation and and human design or or any other like language of energetic awareness right obviously the people listening to this resonate with human design but there's so many more so many other languages yeah. that can assist um but i think ultimately with any self-awareness journey that we're having you you reach a point where you just can't ignore the interplay of the nervous system in all of it <laughs> like it's our hard wiring everything that has ever existed for you is in your nervous system. And um, I I think it's just a, a reality for all of us that regardless of what your authority type is, right, regardless of what your strategy is, regardless of what your energy type is, regardless of what your core wound is, all of these things that exist, your nervous system is playing a part in all of it. So if you're working on, you know, something like authority, if, you, if you're trying to journey through I mean, as fellow splenics, right? Like it's really hard for people to get on board with the splenic authority. Yeah. Like, yeah. what does my splenic voice sound like? Like, I don't even know. I don't know. I have no <laughs> idea what it's making. Um, it's like your that's because your nervous system is talking. It's talking, right? It's moving through and and with something like a splenic authority, when there's so much fear processing, 
that goes into our decision-making and fear is a consistent part of our experience because it is always moving through our bodies, then your nervous system, which is primarily wired to respond to unfamiliar as unsafe and familiar as safe, right? Like this, it's just, it's a conversation that you have to have with yourself, right? Like, oh, so when I come up on something new, it's going to feel both fearful for me because it's going to elicit fear from my spleen, but it's also going to feel unsafe to my nervous system. That's a heck of a conundrum, isn't it? Because all of a sudden that thing's going to look like, well, maybe that's wrong, but actually maybe it's still very right for you. So I'm really passionate about people um, doing that work through whatever methodology resonates but doing that work on nervous system regulation and nervous system awareness because it, it kind of changes the game I think when you're when you're journeying through yourself oh yeah it's like anyone that's spleeny it's like like the fear is there it's 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 exactly the same as the solar plexus the nervousness the emotions there because it's gathering data with us the fear's there because it's gathering data it, you know but it's quick obviously it's gathering it like that um, a lot quicker than than what the solar plexus goes through, but neither is good or bad. It's just this or that. Um, and when you when you start to really um, be aware of that, yep, I'm having one of them. I'm having fear, but is my body gathering data or is this a hard no? Like, there's a real big difference. And the splenic people that are following that authority will know that stop now, stop sort of thing. The difference between this feels a bit uncomfortable. Um, yeah, there's a real difference and. I, you know, human design, I think it's it's a beautiful awareness tool. And some people, depend on the journey you're on, the role you're here to play, whatever, what you've been through, um, some people can just take design, human design and that's it. For the rest of their lives, that's the thing. Some of us are going to have to couple that with energetics or somatics or whatever it is that helps you decondition and move 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 things through this body um and for us as a family we love kinesiology so we we will often have kinesiology all of us even the baby um i'll usually surrogate for him but the reason we love kinesiology is because um i've got a beautiful kinesiologist who who i've always asked don't speak to me just don't say it out loud because my mind will go straight away she just talks to my body and I've got no say in it. My mind can't interject. And she's literally just talking to my body. Um, mm. And so, yeah, I think some people can grab human design and that's it for the rest of their lives and that's their trajectory and whatever. And the rest of us might have to heal some trauma through, um, yeah. you know, use use human design as the awareness tool, but there needs to be an actual doing part as well where we actually do something about it if it's correct for you to do it. You know, I'm not saying go and force yourself. Your authority might be saying no. And yeah. it might not be time, um, but if it's correct and the opportunity is there, yeah, nervous system works a huge part of this, huge. Mm, yeah. I so agree. So you, the work that you largely do through your content is in your membership, right? That's where you do a lot of your your teaching, um, which I encourage everyone to check out. I think um, my opinion has always, always been and still remains that I think the people that are best to learn human design language from are the projectors. <laughs> you guys are just spectacular at bringing um, all of that detail and and all of that form into function 
in into application, right? I, I have learned the most about human design from projectors. So um, I love that you do that. Is there anything specific that you teach inside your membership? Like how's that, how's that set up? What do people get through that? Yeah, it's really self-paced study. And I think I set it up this way. Um, one, for the non-sacrals, two, for the right, people that are from the right. I just, I wanted, I want my business to always be as inclusive as possible to all, and, you know, it's impossible to make it, Gonna, it's not never going to fit everybody's box. But I'm really conscious of my business being inclusive to so many different types and everybody having the authority um, to decide. And so the membership's really set up like that. You come in when your authority decides and you leave when your authority decides and there's no rationale. You don't need an excuse. You don't need to tell me anything. You just leave when you want to. Shut the door behind you. When you come in, take your shoes off. That's what I say. Um, it's literally just a space of self-study. Um, and it's all it's it's all set up online. But with the membership, I also let people into uh, a lot more of our private life they get um, put onto a private Instagram where you see the day sometimes when the energy's there you see the dailies um, and you see us traveling around the country and navigating how we're going to do this as a family and you sometimes I share some educational stuff because I am need motivated um, but I think a lot of it in my in my business comes from I have the 44 26 three times um, in my design and so I really am a design of a transmitter and it's just like I don't know how I do it. Sometimes it just some I don't really force it. It just sort of comes in. I take the information in. It comes out in a palatable way for the people it's correct for. It's not going to be correct for everybody. Um, but the other things in my design that really show up in my business, I have the 2838 channel struggle uh, and this parenting thing is is a struggle, right? It's a bloody struggle. None of I don't know that there's any parent out there that's like, oh, this is amazing and it was all fine and dandy, so uh, that really comes into it as well. Is how do how uh, how is this penta coming together? How are we honouring each other's uniqueness? Sometimes we don't. Sometimes we get it wrong. I want to say, but it's not wrong. It's more so like sometimes we can't, and one of our authorities gets overridden. How do we deal with that? And you know, mm. that's all what you see inside of the membership, the dailies, and that's where um, majority of my energy goes because I've got young children. Um, you know, they're my priority, obviously, until they are on, you know, their own two feet a bit more. I mean, I'm not wiping butts. <laughs> uh, one day it's going to come. It's going to oh, come. <laughs> I can't wait. The, the manifest is teaching the projector. He's toilet training him for me. So Aww. I'm not really doing that. Thanks, buddy. <laughs> so good like you. every time, Every time you do a wee, can you take your brother? And he'll be like, He'd be like, Jordy, come on, it's time for a wee. And just initiates him and up the projector kid goes and <laughs> it's funny. <laughs> Gosh, yeah. let the manifest kid just, he's just parenting himself and parenting everybody else. No problems, bro. Yeah. Off you go. <laughs> Until so it becomes, good. because he's he's so, because the transitoriness channel, it, it doesn't really like to do the same thing twice. It'll tweak it a bit. So once it becomes repetitive, then he's like not interested in that anymore. Yeah. See that. Yeah, I resonate with that. Yeah. Like yeah. this is not fun and exciting anymore. It's boring. I'm done. Thank you, everybody. Yeah. There is nothing new here. <laughs> yeah. Well, we will put all of your links, of course, to everything in the show notes below. And um, I really, really, really encourage people to at least get in connection with your content because um, 
regardless of whether you have a, a manifest a child yourself, I think that being able to experience the way that somebody else parents a manifesta and does it with such love and with such um, just transparency and and adoration, right? Really allowing the sacredness of that manifesta child to be that even for us as adults is really healing. It's really, really healing to watch. And that's been one of my favorite things of working with my own inner child and the wounds that I experienced as a manifesto child and not having that childhood that I needed. So um, just for that reason alone, I encourage everyone listening to go and check out Amy Ruth's content because it'll feel good. It'll just feel really good and you'll get a real kick out of of watching like a little unfiltered, uncontrolled manifesto kid <laughs> doing his thing. You'll get a little giggle out of it. Thank you so much for everything that you do. Thank you for allowing that to be public as well, for for putting that effort out there, especially as a non-sacral, right, taking that that energetic resource that you have and sharing it with the world um, because it really it really is having an impact. It really is having an influence. And, and I, as just a one individual person, am really grateful for it. Yeah. Thank you. It makes my makes my heart so warm. Like just just the recognition is just like, oh, okay, I'm done. Success. Shut it all down. <laughs> my day is over. I've received what I need. Excellent. Yeah. You know, I learned early on. I'm a contagion. And when I first found human design, side note with the incarnation cross, I was like, contagion, I can use this. What could I be contagious in? You know, like I'll start selling hair products and make a lot of money, or I'll start well. And it's like then I really learned, oh no, the contagion's got to go first. And so that's why we, that's why I do what I do. That's why I showcase what we do because it's like, I've really got to go first to show you that this isn't all beautiful. There is the ugly, um, but the alternative is uglier uh, for me. And I just, I just, the message is that it's not my way and it's not like Ra's way. It's your way. You're the only guru here. You're the only one that can do this experiment for yourself. Don't take anyone else as the guru. Um, you cannot get this wrong. You can't get it wrong. Um, and that's my main message is just to empower. Like you say, I just want people to feel good when they come on in and take their shoes off and sit down and witness my circus of a family running around. I know that it's all good. It's going to be okay. <laughs> I love that. Before we wrap up, do you feel like you have um... – like a starting point or a tip for people who are listening that have a manifesto kid, whether they're a manifesto themselves or not, if they're raising a manifesto child, what's what's one one place that they can work on in that relationship? Yeah, I think um, the very, very first thing is to just stop, stop and observe, like stop, stop controlling, stop telling them what to do stop stopping them doing what they're doing just watch watch when they're peaceful watch how you try and make it more peaceful more great you know more creative they're happy drawing with a blue pencil and you're like well why don't we use green and orange and pink just watch 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 the peace watch the anger watch where they meet resistance and it's through the watching I think that the most learning comes with our because our children naturally display their designs they're not they don't have all the baggage we've got it's just so natural to them to be themselves um and so my first point is like you know people usually say follow your strategy find find out strategy and authority and follow that but I think 
just stop and watch. Watch. Feel what the peace feels like. Peace peace for a manifested child can be playing on the floor with a box, you know? Mm. And just I think I think watch stopping and watching is the start. Yeah. Yeah. That's so beautiful. That's such great advice. I'm gonna take that. I I'm always always watching and observing my manifested child, but I I I want to do more of that, right? And you know, continue to work on not inserting myself in his space yeah. and just let him let him roll, let him have freedom. So thank you, thank you for saying that. Thank you for being here. Thank you for sharing your time out in the the outback, um, in the van, the internet held out. Through, through a Mercury retrograde, which is amazing. So thank you so much for being here, Amy. I, I deeply appreciate it. Uh, I've had the best time. Thank you so much. Thank you for what you're doing in the world. Like, yeah, this something you, your, your impact is incredible. Thank you. Oh, I appreciate that mutual recognition. <laughs> so nice. <laughs> the best of the manifesto projector relationship. It's awesome. <laughs> Thank you so much, Amy. Bye. Thank you so much for spending a little bit of time with us today in another episode of the Hunting for Purpose podcast. We so enjoy having you here. And whether you are listening to my insights or the wisdom of one of our other incredibly talented manifesto specialists, we really, truly hope that you have taken away power, transformation, and wisdom about your own manifesto magnificence. Before you go and switch off, we would be so humbly grateful if you could take the time to either leave a podcast review right on the platform that you're listening to, or if you feel like it, please do a share across your social media. We love to hear how each of the episodes is impacting you, and we love to provide an opportunity for you to inform us via social media. So please share a story or a post about this episode and tag us at The Manifesto Community. Until next time, please, manifestors, keep hunting for purpose.